Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, and I am back today with another nutrition and health episode. In today's episode, we are talking all about thyroid, and our expert guest speaker is none other than the thyroid RD, Lindsay O'Reilly. Lindsay has been an RD for quite a while now, and she has specialized her practice to help individuals struggling with thyroid disorders, such as Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. I'm so excited for you to learn more from Lindsay in today's episode. So sit back and get ready to learn how nutrition, how we eat, what we eat, and other lifestyle variables play a part in our thyroid health and quality of life. Lindsay, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being a featured guest on the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm really excited to be here, Nicole. Thank you for asking me. I'm flattered and um, I'm just really excited to chat with you today. Likewise, I feel like I have so much to learn from you, Lindsay, because I have been soaking up a lot of your Instagram content for a little while now, but honestly, I feel like I have so much more to learn. So tell us about you first, before we dive into all of the thyroid specific stuff, I want to know who are you tell everybody listening where you are and what is it that you do? Okay, perfect. So I am a registered dietitian as well, and I have been for 16 years. Um, I, right now I'm specializing in thyroid issues. Um, I also do some work in food sensitivities and really more in kind of the integrative and functional space. We're trying to dig into the root cause of health issues. Um, I am in the Kansas City area, so I have a private practice here. And yeah, I've been, this is my third year in private practice. Now, what got you into thyroid specifically? Is that something that you always knew you wanted to pursue or more recent? So it was more recent. Actually, I was diagnosed with my own thyroid issues about four four years ago. So it just was something that I didn't know very much about. It's not something we really learned much about in school. Um, And the more that I dug into the information and the research and kind of did stuff on my own, the more I realized that this was an area where we need more help and where women really could use a lot more support. I feel like it's an area where we tend to get kind of brushed off or we don't get listened to um, or we're treated for a lot of our other symptoms, uh, you know, instead of looking deeper at the thyroid. So that just drove me to, you know, make that my focus in my, um, in my private practice. There's nothing like personal experience to drive us to solve problems for us and for other people, right? Absolutely. And I think it's so great too, because 
you know, I've done a lot of testing and I've had some experience and seen some different doctors. And so I have been there and I have done that. And so I, I understand what other women are going through, you know, when they're trying to get tests run or they're trying to dig and figure out why they don't feel good. So I think that makes us better practitioners when we have that experience and we understand. Oh, absolutely. No arguments here. I actually grew up knowing about thyroid because my mom has Hashimoto's and it was something that in our household, we always saw her struggling with fatigue, low energy, hair loss. And she would actually travel state borders to work with a practitioner that she felt just really was able to support her. And that's because nobody else locally had answers or it was always just like a blind prescription that was never really helpful. And so I've seen her experiment with lots of different things, nutrition interventions, you know, of course, changing certain meds, getting lab tests. Um, But I'm sure much like yourself, it's it's hard to be living in that and to see someone else that you know and love struggling when there's not a lot of public knowledge or education, especially surrounding like what we can do in our lives. Absolutely. And that's crazy that you had, yeah, that you had that experience, but, but absolutely. I do feel like that. I feel like there's not enough practitioners that are really, you know, and it's not their fault. Like that's, that's part of how they're trained. Um, You know, it's to kind of look, at the surface, you know, of it. And so I don't know, I think it is helpful to have other options and other practitioners that are putting the word out there that are making people more aware and, you know, being advocates for, for help. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to feature you on the podcast. You know that you're going to be part of a series that I'm currently doing, Nutrition And. And this episode will be all about thyroid. You're going to be our thyroid experts. And I think that my mission behind this series, Lindsay, is to just help our listeners understand that nutrition is so powerful and not just nutrition, but lifestyle behaviors and habits that we do have control over, at least a certain amount of control. And I think sometimes when it comes to nutrition and minding what we're eating or how we're treating our bodies, there's a big population of people that only think that's important when weight loss is the goal. And I I understand that because it's so pushed by diet culture. But on the flip side, I think sometimes we forget how powerful nutrition can be when it just comes to help, just when it comes to health and quality of life. So I want you to just shine and teach us all the things about how nutrition and lifestyle factors. And of course, I understand certain people need some medical interventions, right? They need some kind of supplementation or prescription to actually help what they're navigating. But let's back up a little bit. Tell us about thyroid. What is thyroid? What does it do for us? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to go through all of these things. So our thyroid is a little butterfly-shaped gland at the base of our neck. And it produces hormones. So it's part of our endocrine system. So it's producing hormones that work on lots of different areas of our body. So think of it kind of like your thermostat. You'll probably hear other practitioners talk about it like that. So it is going to control things like our metabolism, our body temperature, digestive function, brain development, um, and and more things too. And that's why we see symptoms um, in so many different areas of our body when we're dealing with thyroid stuff. So we're seeing... GI symptoms, we're seeing the fatigue, we're seeing the, just a lot of different stuff because our thyroid hormone controls so many different things. There's receptors for that hormone basically in every cell in our body. So it's crazy. Um, the thyroid is also, so it works together with the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. And they call that the HPT axis. 
So all of those things work together for the thyroid to produce its hormones. Did you have another question that went with that? <laughs> no, that, that was a great explanation. <laughs> I lost my track. <laughs> of what a healthy thyroid does. How might someone know if they don't have a healthy functioning thyroid? Okay, perfect. So when the thyroid isn't functioning well, so we can either see it in two different ways. We can see too much thyroid hormone, um, you know, circulating in the body. And typically we see that with a low TSH, too much thyroid hormone, and we consider that hyperthyroidism. So it's an overactive thyroid. And with that, we see symptoms like fatigue, anxiety, um, nervousness and agitation, uh, weight loss, typically an unexplained weight loss, increased appetite. So think of it as like your thermostat's being turned up crazy, right? So your body is just kind of in overdrive. So then the opposite is true when we're seeing a low functioning thyroid, we're seeing low thyroid hormones. We typically see a high TSH because the pituitary gland is trying to signal the thyroid to produce more hormones like, hey, come on, let's get going. Um, so we see a high TSH, low thyroid hormones that typically hypothyroidism. Um, symptoms would include fatigue, weight gain, constipation, sensitivity to cold, um, dry, kind of brittle hair, dry skin, anxiety, depression, maybe some hormonal issues. So with the thermostat, kind of think of it as being turned down, like everything is slowed down when we see hypothyroidism. And then we also can see autoimmune disease when it comes to thyroid disorders. So there's two different thyroid autoimmune diseases. We have Hashimoto's and we have Graves' disease. So Hashimoto's is typically um, autoimmune hypothyroidism. Not always. Sometimes with Hashimoto's, we can see hyper. And then Graves' disease is autoimmune hyperthyroidism. So our immune system is basically in overdrive, attacking our, our thyroid and causing problems there. Now, you referenced some of those symptoms that someone might be experiencing, and you referenced a a lab test, right, that can help us to identify whether we're producing too much or too little of that hormone. Can you tell us what that is and what we might ask our provider to look for if, and, and he or she may already have concerns about thyroid if we're expressing some of these symptoms to them, but what is the lab test that's actually used as a diagnostic tool for thyroid? Yeah, that's a good question. So typically doctors will run a TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormone, and that's produced by the pituitary gland. They will also typically run a T4, which is one of our thyroid hormones. There's T4 and T3. So those are the two that are typically run, and that's what doctors use to diagnose thyroid disease. I will typically recommend getting what I would consider a full thyroid panel run. So that's going to include a couple more tests including T3, because T3 is our active form of thyroid hormone. So it's what we want thyroid hormone to do in our body. Um, And we rely on the conversion of T4 to T3 to get most of that. So I like to see what that looks like. Um, I also like to see antibodies. So we have TPO antibody, we have TG antibody. That way we can determine if there's an autoimmune component um, there. And then one more test that's kind of a a last test option would be a reverse T3. So if everything else is run and you're still having symptoms and everything else looks good, sometimes a reverse T3 can be helpful because it could tell us. And it 
it basically can block the action of our active thyroid hormone. So it could tell us if something else is going on, causing a problem with that hormone being able to get into the cells, if that makes sense. So those are the, the tests that I would consider in a full thyroid panel, but doctors will usually just use TSH and T4 to diagnose. Gotcha. Now this is, I didn't ask you about this, so you might not have a statistic on hand, but out of curiosity, how many people struggle with abnormal thyroid conditions? Oh gosh, I don't have that statistic on hand, but it's a lot. And, and really they even say even more people are undiagnosed than are actually diagnosed, which is so crazy. So, you know, part of that I think is that we're not getting adequate testing you know, when those concerns come up, because a lot of times you'll go into your doctor with maybe you have weight gain, maybe you have constipation and you have some anxiety, depression. So maybe you're treated with an antidepressant. You're told to eat less and work out more and take a laxative, right? So we're not putting two and two together to think that it could be a thyroid issue. Um, so that I think that's part of the reason why a lot go undiagnosed and it's just, yeah, the information's not out there. And I think as an individual, if I didn't have the family history that I have, I wouldn't know to go into my physician's office and say, hey, can I get my thyroid checked out? Like I'm having these symptoms. So I see what you're saying. We kind of like with most <laughs> with most conditions, we like to put a bandaid on the symptom without digging deeper and finding the root cause of the symptoms. 100%. And I actually had kind of that similar, that similar story. I didn't know to look at thyroid. It wasn't on my radar. And I just had some you know, normal labs run and it was detected. And, you know, after I thought about it for a while, and especially now that I've kind of been doing this, I think back and I think that I had problems for years, you know, even after my pregnancy and had no idea that some of the things that I struggled with were most likely connected. I don't, I couldn't know. I don't know, but probably. Um, so yeah, that's frustrating. Absolutely. On the flip side of that, and because I do know about my family history and I saw my mom living in her struggle, I have been tested. I've had my thyroid tested multiple times because it's always been on my family history. So maybe just a word to everyone listening, you know, it's important to know what runs in your family and maybe certain things that you're at a higher risk for, because it's always something that I think if I raise a symptom and I go in and say, Hey, I'm really feeling anxious. It could just be that, you know, life circumstances are making me feel more anxious, but I think my provider is more likely to say, Hey, let's run a blood panel and just make sure everything's okay with thyroid. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a good, that's a good thought too. And I even thinking about autoimmune disease and I tell, you know, I tell women it's important to know because there is a genetic component that goes with that. So if your doctor says it's not important because it doesn't change their treatment plan, if you have kids, I feel like it is important to know and to pass on that history, you know, cause there's a potential there. So I don't know, I, I'm in the camp of the more, you know, you know, the better, the better it can be. So Absolutely. Put all the data on the table. We can sort through mm -hmm. it together. <laughs> so Lindsay, you've, we've been touching around or circling around this genetic component. So what causes thyroid disruption, like an unhealthy, irregular thyroid? Is it completely genetic? Do we not know? Are there lifestyle factors that play a part? Why would someone not have a healthy functioning thyroid? Yeah, so it can be a little bit of both. So there can definitely be a genetic component. And I would say that more of that comes with the autoimmune um, thyroid diseases. 
So that's for sure an option. But there's a lot of other causes. Well, and actually, if we're talking about autoimmune, so it's estimated that over 90% of hypothyroidism cases are actually autoimmune in nature, which is like a huge, huge percentage. Um, so I, I, again, that's why I like people to get their antibodies tested. Um, we can also see thyroid um, disease because of iodine deficiency. So that's one of the main causes of non-autoimmune hypothyroidism. Stress is another cause. So stress is huge. Um, and can cause, like, we can see stress from a lot of different things, like even pregnancy, potentially an underlying infection, maybe something like a virus like Epstein-Barr virus, heavy metals, um, environmental toxin exposure can cause stress, systemic inflammation. Um, and then also, when I was talking about the hypothalamus-pituitary uh, thyroid axis, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are part of our HPA axis as well with the adrenals. And so they work with our stress response in our body. So they're going to prioritize stress and dealing with stress over our thyroid function. So when we have a lot of stress going on, then our thyroid function will slow down because of that. Mm, that's powerful. So it kind of depends, right? If we go back to when you were telling us about all the different sectors of thyroid disease, autoimmune, it sounds like has a heavier genetic component, mm -hmm. correct? But there are several lifestyle variables, like you mentioned, the iodine and stress, of course, that also plays a big part. So I think it's safe to say it's nobody's fault if they're struggling with thyroid disease, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's nobody's fault, and it can happen really for unknown um, unknown reasons, and it can happen at any time. It knows no age. It knows no gender. So I've seen um, young girls be diagnosed. I've seen men be diagnosed. I've seen women. You know, it's it's a little bit more common after pregnancy, and and you know, women that are a little bit older too. But I mean, really. Yeah, it can affect anybody. So this question came out of left field after hearing your response. I remember growing up with, I mean, we were young adults, uh, a gentleman, and he had to have his thyroid removed. I think he had thyroid cancer. So can we function without our thyroid? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, so we can function without a thyroid, but you have to have thyroid hormone replacement. You need that thyroid hormone for a lot of functions in your body. So you're just going to be reliant on... I'm a thyroid, I mean, we call it medication, but it's really a thyroid hormone replacement so that you have that hormone going through your body for your cells to use. To help keep so many systems regulated that you kind of referenced yep. earlier, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You got it. So what are some of the, the tangible takeaways, Lindsay, that we can focus on? Let's say nutrition specifically. So what are some of the things that we can do with our diet to either prevent thyroid disease and or help to manage it if we already have it? So prevention, I mean, there's a lot of things and it can be really individual, but overall, but I think the takeaway is really taking good care of yourself. Um, and that can involve a lot of different things. So as far as talking about nutrition and diet, you know, really working to eat a good, healthy, balanced diet a lot of nutrient-dense foods, so lots of colorful foods. Um, we rely on nutrients 
for our thyroid to function. So for our thyroid to produce hormones, um, for conversion of T4 to T3. So there's a lot of, of ways that our thyroid works that requires nutrients. Um, so making sure that we're eating a good diet there. Um, not dieting. That's a big one too. So eating enough food is super important for our thyroid to function. The more that we diet, the more that we restrict, um, our metabolism slows down, causes more stress on our body, which again, we talked about stress as being kind of an underlying cause of thyroid issues. So that's a big one. I have so many clients that come to me with past history of um, dieting and they've tried, you know, almost every diet out there with, with no luck and, you know, come to find out if they have a thyroid problem later on. So I think those are really big things as far as nutrition and eating. I would also say deal with stress. It's a big one. Um, I often see so many women who are, and myself included, kind of type A perfectionist personalities who feel like they have to do all the things and be all the things. Um, and that can really drive you into the ground. So, you know, thinking about ways to deal with stress like meditation and journaling, potentially counseling, maybe some yoga, um, being okay with letting things go, asking for help, um, saying no when needed. I think those are big things too. Another thing to think about would be like reducing toxins and toxic exposure. So that's a whole different topic, but, but, you know, reducing plastic usage, drinking from glass and stainless steel, um, organic produce, if able or when able to less toxic products like cleaning products, beauty care products, those types of things um, can be helpful just to reduce that toxin exposure. So those are just kind of a few different things for um, overall kind of health and wellness prevention. Yeah. I like that you referenced the dieting because this is something, <laughs> and I keep bringing up my mom. She's going to be like, Nicole, why were you talking about me so much on this podcast episode? <laughs> but for years and years, you know, she and my dad would decide like, okay, we're going to, you know, do this healthy initiative. And generally it's a little bit easier for men to lose weight than women sometimes. So she would always experience that frustration, but then she would get frustrated because if you're trying to cut your calories and exercise, this eat less exercise more for someone struggling with hypothyroidism especially can be really detrimental. So she would get so frustrated because she would lose nothing. And then there, my dad would be like 10 pounds down or something. So is there a safe and healthy way for someone struggling with thyroid disease to lose weight or specifically body fat? Or do you advise that they avoid a caloric deficit at all costs? So I think that depends. Um, so as far as weight loss goes, and something I talk with my clients about, your body needs to feel safe and taken care of in order to lose weight. So you kind of have to have all cylinders running, you know, well for that to happen. So we need to make sure that you're sleeping well, that you are dealing with your stress, that your hormones are more balanced, that you have adequate thyroid hormone production, um, you know, that you're eating enough to start with. All of those things need to be working really well before you try to get into a little bit more of a deficit to see if you can lose weight, right? As well as your exercise, you need to make sure that you're doing the right type of exercise for your body. So if you're super inflamed, um, 
you know, high intensity exercise where you think that's going to be super beneficial for weight loss may not be right for you. So it's kind of like picking apart those pieces, putting the puzzle together to try to get your body working really well before you're going to see some of that weight loss. Yes. I like clapping for you because (laughs) I call this a health first foundation when I'm working with my clients. Like if we have some sort of underlying health condition, we need to make sure that you're on solid ground first before fat loss would ever be a focus. And it doesn't even have to be a chronic health condition. It could be, maybe you have a nutritional deficiency of some kind and it's causing you to feel really lethargic and fatigued when you don't need to. Those are the kinds of things we have to fill in and address in my opinion, before we ever try to create a conservative caloric deficit. But even when we do, doing it very safely and sustainably so that the body isn't stressed to the max because you've highlighted for us beautifully just how detrimental stress can be to someone navigating thyroid disease as well. Yeah. And it's really frustrating, I think, for especially for women to hear that because I think that's a lot of times their main focus. You know, and when that happens, so like with the clients that, that I have come in, I tell them up front, I, we don't, I don't focus on weight or weight loss because when you do that, it feels, it feels like failure when that is not something that happens right away. And it, and then, you know, I just tell them it does, it can take some time and it's not, it's not a guarantee, um, but you have to do like, just like you said, you have to get that foundation going first, um, you know, and doing some of that hard work before you're going to see some of that happen. So, and do you find Lindsay that when your clients are working on some of these other things that you reference, like eating nourishing whole foods and making sure that they're doing some type of meditation or seeing a therapist or, you know, managing their stress, that some of that can lead to healthy weight loss, but when it's not the focus, it happens kind of more generically versus like white knuckle grip. I have to see the scale go down, which just shoots our cortisol hormone through the roof. Yep. Yeah. That's for sure. Something that can happen when, you know, the work is put in in other areas. And I think it depends too on, you know, kind of where you're starting. If you're starting from a good foundation, you know, it may take a little bit longer. So I think it's, it is different, but it, it for sure can be a result of putting in the other work. So we've been talking about weight loss. What is the correlation between weight and thyroid? We've, you mentioned before that hypo typically comes with weight gain and hyper sometimes comes with weight loss. But based on the research, is someone more at risk to develop thyroid disease if they are at a heavier body weight or is there no correlation whatsoever? What does the research say? You know what? That's a good question. I'm not sure if being at a higher weight to start with, if that gives you more, if that puts you more at risk, because I think there's a lot that goes, goes into that. Um, potentially, potentially that there's some, um, inflammation, potentially some insulin resistance causing weight gain, potentially stress and cortisol causing that weight gain, which could then lead to, um, thyroid stuff. So I don't know. That's, I'm not sure to be honest with you, but weight gain is super common with thyroid disease. So I would think that there would be a correlation there too. 
Which you kind of mentioned in our last, in your last response, Lindsay, is that weight gain comes with thyroid struggle. And I can imagine many women wanting to address that symptom before they even know what's going on underneath, because it's like, Hey, where did this extra 10, 15, 20 pounds come from? I want to get it off. I don't feel like myself. And so then maybe they plunge into an aggressive crash diet, keto, intermittent fasting, you know, what have you. And then it's just stressing their body out more. Is there something, so you said that you do not advise diet. And I'm anti, anti-dieting that does not add quality and health and longevity to life, which is most of them. Um, what have you seen maybe with your clients about how diets can be detrimental when it comes to thyroid symptoms? Like, have you seen that, hey, whenever someone fasts, their hormones take a nosedive? Or is there something that you would recommend anyone who's dealing with this stay far, far away from? Yeah, I don't really love any of those fad diets, to be honest with you. Um, Keto is hard because you really are restricting carb, which you need, um, and you need to have a little bit of insulin. So that's really hard, and I feel like over time, keto can really tank your your hormones in general. Um, But it also affects your gut health, right, because we're not putting many plants and colors and things into our body. what was the other one we were talking about? Oh, fasting. Fasting for sure. Because yes, that causes problems with stress and cortisol. And you know what? Fasting, most of the research is done with men because men don't have the hormone you know, issues that women do. So it's really hard to um, do research on women. So fasting is another one. If you don't have your stress in check, if your hormones are out of whack, I for sure would not recommend fasting. And it can definitely cause problems with thyroid hormone as well. Um, so yeah, so we really work on with my clients. I just work on balancing blood sugars. It's a big one. So, you know, that's just going to be making sure that you're eating at regular intervals, balanced meals, um, not skipping meals, eating breakfast, a good solid breakfast is super important. Um, we also work on more of kind of an anti-inflammatory, like a Mediterranean type diet where you're getting lots of colors, um, quality proteins, less processed foods, less added sugars, and just trying to put as many nutrients as we can into the body. I support that. All of, Everybody listening has heard me talk about the balance plate about a thousand times. And I agree with what you said about keto and intermittent fasting. Those are two anti-carb and long stretches of time without eating. For menstruating women especially, but women in general, the research is not as promising as with males. And it's because of hormone disruption. And you've expressed to us that thyroid hormones really important. So if it's something that we're struggling with, we probably ought to stay away from some of those things and just focus more on how can I get quality nourishment consistently throughout the day and make sure that I'm aiding my body and eating enough so that I'm not putting my body in this really stressed out state. And of course that can be aided by meditation and yoga and deep breathing and some of those other parasympathetic activities that you referenced earlier. Yeah, for sure. I think nutrition and lifestyle need to go hand in hand too. And I think the more that we see this dieting and the more somebody does that, the higher chances they are to end up gaining more weight later on. So, so yeah, absolutely. 
to get stuck in that weight cycle, right? Like I want mm-hmm. it fast. I talk about this a lot. Like I want that sexy, shiny thing because they promised me I could lose X pounds in X days. And sure, they're promising a lot and maybe you get a lot of results, but at what cost and for how long do they stick around? Usually it's a very teeny tiny amount of time. Yeah, that's right. And you know what it, it does too? It messes with our mental state, right? It makes us feel like we're failures, like we're always doing the wrong thing, like food is always going to be the problem. Um, so I feel like that's even a bigger piece of it too, is just how we feel about ourselves and just our mental our mental state around that. So this is, I'll ask you one final question before we let people know where they can find you and learn more from you. And I didn't prep you for this one. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing, that's okay. But as someone who's navigated her own thyroid journey, what was maybe the one best thing that you heard as you were navigating that, or you wish you would have heard to help you through? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I really think, well, maybe a couple of things. I really think kind of digging in to figure out like the root of what's going on. I think that's important because it can be different for everybody. So, you know, doing a little bit more testing up front and getting a little bit more of that data to try to figure out where, where the struggle is coming from. I think that's really important. So we could be looking at gut stuff. We could be looking at blood sugars. We could be looking at cortisol levels, just different things that really could affect you um, and make you feel super crummy. Um, I think that's important. I also think just, maybe being open to some changes, potentially dietary changes, lifestyle changes. Um, that was hard for me. Um, I, it was hard to, to think that I had a problem with stress, um, you know, and I was really resistant to, to working on that, to changing the way that I was exercising, to maybe trying some yoga and meditation and things because I'm a little bit more high energy. (laughs) I like to do, you know, things a little bit differently. So I think just being open to trying some different things because you never know what really your body is going to respond to. But um, those were the big things I think for me. I lied. I said that was going to be the last question, but you triggered uh, two more things that I wanted to make sure we touched on. One was you referenced inflammation a couple of times. And I have heard a lot about, I think specifically Hashimoto's, but I could be wrong about cutting out gluten because that helps with inflammation. Is there any legitimacy to that claim? Yes. So that's a good question because with autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease, specifically. So there's kind of this like three-legged stool, right? So we have kind of a genetic predisposition. We have um, like a triggering event. So maybe there's a stressful event. Maybe there's um, um, an infection, a virus, something that could trigger that. And then there is um, what we call intestinal permeability or leaky gut uh, maybe is a term people have heard of. But part of that is due to gluten um, causing inflammation and causing problems in the gut. So yeah, gluten can be a huge, um, a huge problem. And there are some practitioners that will say, if you have an autoimmune disease, then you really have a gluten sensitivity. Um, also celiac disease is another autoimmune disease where we really truly have a problem with gluten. And so when you have one autoimmune disease, you're at a higher risk of having another, some of those could go hand in hand. So there's a potential for that too. Um, but I have seen, myself and some clients really benefit symptom wise from doing a trial of removing gluten just to see if we can find some 
some symptom improvement, um, see if we can lower antibodies. And I feel like it really has helped. And personally, I did just to see if I could get some symptom improvement and it helped symptoms that I didn't like my anxiety that I didn't even realize, you know, would be connected in my Raynaud's disease, a couple of different things that I thought, you know, I had no idea could be connected. So, so I found some, some good benefits from eliminating gluten for sure. Ah, I'm so glad we touched on that. That's one that my mom has found great success with as well. And so I was just really curious about what the literature says specifically. And again, we're not saying everybody needs to cut out gluten, mm-hmm. specifically those struggling with autoimmune is what the research says is, is mostly beneficial. For sure. And I think it's worth a trial of removal, you know, and whether you want to test that back in is really up to you if you're finding some huge relief and huge improvement and you want to keep it out, you know, that's okay too. But um, it's also helpful to work with a practitioner who can guide you through that and help you reintroduce foods and kind of figure out an eating plan that works best for you. Sometimes I think that's really so much better to go and do that with somebody else than to try to figure it out on your own. But but yeah, I would echo that. It's really challenging to find your own food sensitivities if you don't have somebody championing for you in your corner. And I think there's a lot of misconception around, oh, well, I'll just get all these gluten-free products when they are not anything nutritious or whole food oriented and they're just labeled gluten-free. So it, it can be a little bit of a mess if you don't know what you're doing and have the help of a professional. Yep. That's true too. Yes, for sure. <laughs> And then the second thing that you prompted was we talked about exercise and you mentioned the high intensity and I have seen this with HIT or some type of like circuit type training tends to do more detriment than benefit, not just for people struggling with thyroid disease, but we also had a podcast on PCOS that's very similar with that high intensity exercise. So what exercise would you recommend? You referenced yoga. Is there anything else that the research says is beneficial when we want to stay active? We want to stay healthy, but we don't want to stress our system out. Yep. I love yoga. And I think a lot of different reasons you can get a really good workout. You can get some of that muscle um, burn with yoga too, but you can also focus on your breath. So it helps you to get into that kind of parasympathetic um, nervous system. Um, and kind of work on that de-stress. So you can do all of those things in one exercise, which is fantastic. I also love weightlifting, um, which can help with our metabolism. So for those of us who kind of have a tank metabolism, um, you know, either from thyroid problems or from dieting, that can help there too. And you're not putting as much stress on the body. Um, I also really like just walking. I think that's a great exercise as well as just being active throughout the day. So you don't have to, you know, just have, you know, these exercises that you're doing. If you're up and moving around, you know, throughout the day, I think that's super beneficial too, as opposed to just sitting. Um, But those low intensity exercises can be still beneficial um, without having to, you know, do jumping jacks for an hour and sweat, sweat your butt off. You know, there's other ways that you can do it. Absolutely. I think we forget that neat non-exercise activity, all those little things Mm -hmm. that we do throughout the day and strength training can both be really helpful when it comes to insulin resistance, which is what you mentioned earlier. So it kind of 
two things that I think we often overlook because we think the sweaty, hardcore, I'm dead at the end of it, lying on my living room floor is the better option. And I would argue most times it's probably not. So it's great to hear another nutrition professional saying that so that people don't think I'm making it up. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's hard. It's hard because you see women do that, right? We have fitness centers. Like I have one locally that you know, it's just hard. You think that you can do these things. You compare yourself to other people. You know, I, I can do that. Well, if they can do that, why can't I do it? And it just may not be the best thing for your body at the time. Doesn't mean, you know, forever you have to give up on some of those things. But, but if you're having hormone struggles, if you're fatigued, if you're, you know, if you're really struggling, then those for sure are not the right things for you at that time. I think, we are both emphasizing the need for individual care. The The journey to recovery is not going to be one size fits all. So we've got to figure out what's going on underneath your symptoms and what's going to feel best for you and your body nutritionally, lifestyle oriented and fitness wise. That is something I strongly believe in. And it sounds like you do too. Absolutely. So Lindsay, tell everyone where they can come and follow you online and learn more because I've seen your post. You share a lot about um, like what lab tests should I, you know, talk about with my physician or the iodine or some supplements that are beneficial to people struggling with thyroid disease. Where can we find you? Yep. So I'm on Instagram at thyroidnutrition.rd. So that's my Instagram handle. Um, I have a Facebook group also, so thyroid focus, it's called optimal thyroid nutrition and wellness. And then my website is lindsayoreillyrd.com. So I have some blog posts there, and then you'll also be able to find an application to work with me if you're interested in one-on-one services. And I have an eight week group course that I just launched that I'm in the middle of right now, but I'm super excited. It's my first one. So I will be, um, I'll have a couple more rounds of that throughout this year as well. So awesome. That's so exciting. I will be sure to drop your handle in the show notes below so people can just one click away and start learning more from you and get more information about when your next group launches. But Lindsay, I just want to say thank you. And I appreciate you helping me spread the no nonsense nutrition information. I honestly think that there are certain people that are going to be listening to these weekly episodes and they're going to be somewhat disappointed because the advice that we're sharing it's not anything like unicorn poop, right? Like it's nothing magical at all. It is totally nutrition, eat real food, balance your plate, stress management. Don't, you know, try to be the perfectionist and be everything for everyone. Like take time for yourself. It's, I am hearing it on repeat. And I know that we always hear it on repeat, but I think it's going to be so helpful for listeners to understand, oh, wow, this really does boil down to a few basic action steps or habits that are really worth my time. Obviously, everyone has to dig deep and kind of sprinkle their own individuality on top of their plan or whatever they come up with for their nutrition strategy. But the basics, they never get old because they always work. That's right. I guess maybe the more you hear them, the more that it will sink in and, <laughs> and you know, you'll actually believe us. It really, it can work. Fingers crossed anyway. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lindsay. I appreciate you sharing your expertise and I know many people will benefit from the knowledge that you shared. Oh, thanks Nicole for having me. This was so fun. I hope you enjoyed today's nutrition and thyroid podcast episode. After Lindsay and I had this conversation, my curiosity was piqued and I did a little research of my own. 
And I discovered that according to the American Thyroid Association, 20 million Americans struggle with some type of thyroid disease. And get this, 60% of them are undiagnosed. We need to care about this, especially because one in eight women have been shown to develop a thyroid disorder at some point throughout her life. Women are five to eight times more likely to have thyroid problems. So whether or not you're struggling with thyroid right now, by knowing this information, we can equip ourselves with the knowledge that we need to be advocates for our health moving forward. Then I dug a little deeper. I know I'm a nutrition nerd because one of the questions that Lindsay and I didn't have an answer to at the time of our discussion was about the correlation between weight and thyroid. So according to the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, it is confirmed that carrying excess body fat, specifically central adipose tissue, which we might refer to as belly fat, is linked to endocrine abnormalities, including thyroid dysfunction. So if you're still here, you're still listening, thank you first and foremost. And I just wanted to give you some of that information because I really just wanted to dive deeper and make sure that you had all the information at your fingertips so that you can live a happy, healthy, long life. Catch you on the flip side squad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the health, wealth, and wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.